This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Take the Black podcast. We are on Winter is Coming, and this is the Game of Thrones fix that you need, that you desire. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to my co-host tonight. I'm going to get right into this podcast. First of all, we're missing Luke tonight, so all of you Luke fans out there, I do apologize. But he he is severely traumatized after watching our little princess get burned last night, and I don't think he's going to join us. Uh, but joining us, as always, is the, the wonderful Isis. Isis, say hello to everybody out there. Hey, guys. Good to be back. And Isis, where can they find you on Twitter and Tumblr and wherever else somebody might be looking for your work? You can find me on Twitter at I-J-A-M-E-L-T-O-N, or you can find me on Tumblr as Superhero-Omightyisis, and you can also find my writings on Lightly Buzzed, uh, pretty soon on Bama Hammer, and also Dark, uh, Dork Side of the Force. Heck yeah, if ever, she could ever start writing some, some good old-fashioned female-opinionated Star Wars articles, that would be great. All right, so we have a special guest with with us tonight, and you guys will notice her work from winteriscoming.net. Uh, she is the glue the, the, that holds the writers of Winter is Coming together. Uh, Annie, say hi to everyone out there. Hi. And Annie, where can people follow you? Um, I'm Annie Bundle, basically everywhere on the internet, and have always been, and hopefully always will be. Uh, I'm at Annie Bundle, A-N-I-B-U-N-D-E-L, uh, on Twitter. I'm Annie Bundle on Tumblr. My blog is AnnieBundle.com. Yeah. And you actually should could, could go look up her live blog. Annie covers a lot of things from not just Game of Thrones. She covers a lot of fashion pieces. She does Downton Abbey. So if you just want to get a whole – that's like a smorgasbord of things, of entertainment side, go check out AnnieBundle.com. It's a great read. So let's get right into last night's episode, The Dance of Dragons. And Isis, as I do always, I'm going to ask you what your overall opinion of the episode was. Okay, um, I thought the episode, it was a great, it was a good episode. It really was a good episode. It, had we had gotten this episode before uh, last week, then I would have been like, wow, this is a solid episode. This is great. But it really could not top the White Walkers. It really just couldn't. Really? It, it really couldn't. For me, for me, it could not top the intensity of every single, you know, part of where we went to in in the kingdoms uh it was just 
on another level. And I felt like this was good. It was kind of like, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to settle some things. And then we're going to also set up some other things to happen either for next episode, which is the season finale, or maybe for further down the series for next season. So that's how I kind of felt this, uh, this kind of played out again. I'm not, you know, saying that it's a bad episode. It was a very good episode, but man, last week's episode played like a finale. It really did. Yeah, well, you're right. You're absolutely right. I feel like episode seven or episode eight, I apologize, was absolutely a finale type episode. Uh, And it could have left off that season. Uh, Annie, uh, do you feel like uh, we're kind of getting like three finales out of out of different episodes or have the last? I know you talked about that one two punch last night. Well, the thing is, is that I feel like uh, episode eight was the ice episode and this was the fire episode. Right. And so these Absolutely. were very much a pair, um, which is kind of odd because all the other ones, they've done the directors where it's been director episode one, two, director episode three, four. So different directors directed eight and nine. And yet I felt very much like they were a set together. Right. I, I get I can get that feeling. I'm behind that. I I'm with I'm with Isis a little bit. I still enjoyed Hard Home a little bit more, but I'm kind of a Jon Snow fan. Like I'm on Team Snow, Team Stark. I'm I'm a Northern guy anyway, and it's like I, I don't know. It was I guess what what killed me, and we're gonna talk about this in depth. What killed me in this episode? And it, don't get me wrong, I am not hating on this show at all. I'm not rage quitting. I'm not I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying anything negative. But Shireen's burn, burning at the stake really really put a damper on things, it kind of was a kick in the gut, and it was a hard for me to get over to enjoy uh, Daznak's pit uh, with Danny, and then all the shenanigans that happened there with the Sons of the Harpy, and then of course Drogon swooping in, saving the day, and Danny flying off. That was the that was the huge moment from a, from the end of A Dance with Dragons. That was the moment when I was reading the book, I went, oh my god, she's finally riding a dragon. Holy crap. And I, I woke my wife up in the middle of the night as I'm reading the book going, first time, first read-through. I'm like, Melissa, let me read this part to you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it was just that exciting to me. So to see it play out on this TV screen was, was very satisfying, and I enjoyed it. I would place this episode up there probably top uh, six, seven episodes of the series just for sheer scope and magnitude and having dragons, uh, you know, of course, Drogon flying in, that kind of stuff. That was just amazing. Um but then again, I also see people like, you know, unfortunately, like Luke not being able to join us tonight because he just did, he, he turned the episode off after Shireen was put to the put to the torch. And so they kind of if there's kind of, um, I don't know, a damn what you do, damn what you don't type thing. And uh, Benioff and Weiss, uh, the showrunners for Game of Thrones, they're kind of facing some heat right now. And Annie, you can you can uh, shed a little bit of light on that. What? What are people saying now, especially since after Benioff came out last night and said that burning Shireen at the stake was something that George told him was going to happen? Well, the thing is, is that there are people I know who are book readers whose response to this was, is this what it's like to be an Unsullied and to go through something like the Red Wedding? Um, Mm. That was very much their response to this, especially a lot of the women I know, especially ones with kids, um, who took Shireen's death very hard and took um, Solis's breaking of 
after basically being denied the ability to say goodbye to her child um, very, very hard. Um, I think it was Grantland's recap uh, mm. today that stated that Shireen's death uh, resets the clock after 13 and a half days of not doing something terrible to women on the show, <laughs> uh, which I thought was a very cute thing point but the fact of the matter is is that yes there is a lot of violence against women and there is a lot of violence against girls and when you have to see that and it's one thing when you know that the red wedding is coming even when they see the changes where uh, uh, uh talisa or T- i've forgotten how to pronounce her name yeah i think it was Talisa. Yeah, yeah um she basically was pregnant and she actually went to the red wedding unlike jane westerling who was neither pregnant nor went um so there was the whole stabbing of the pregnant lady in the belly that we didn't get in the books um even when, the fact of the matter is, is you knew it was going to be terrible but you knew it was coming and there's a level where people who are book readers have always held on to that in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, they're prepared. And this is the first time where, you know, we've had moments where the show has spoiled the books, um, especially with the Night's King. But Mm -hmm. this is the first time where they've spoiled the books at a red wedding level. And that was really hard to take. I get you. And that's, that's actually an excellent point. Isis as an unsullied uh, game of Thrones fan, let me ask you this. Um, do book readers – is it, is it fair that book readers are upset about this? I mean I've looked at, I've looked at different subsets of the subreddits, like the Game of Thrones subreddit and the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. Those, those, those are where I do most of my camping out on the internet. And the Game of Thrones subreddit is basically for show watchers. Basically, if you are a show watcher only, that's where you spend most of your time. If you're a book reader and a show watcher – You'll spend a little time there, but you spend most of your time at the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. So those people on Game of Thrones subreddit, they were laughing their heads off at book readers, basically saying, ha, 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 this is what we felt like at the Red Wedding, and I'm glad that Annie brought that up. So Isis, as, a, as an Unsullied, show watcher only, uh, what do you think of that statement? Well, I mean, I guess I, I get it. Um, I get – I'm also – Another, I also watch uh, Outlander, and I've also read the book, so I kind of, you know, feel like I'm kind of like the book readers in that that aspect. And when they change the the story or or they do something very drastic that's not, you know, uh, per the book or you know they didn't stay on book or something, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I get I get shocked. But to me, I think that's awesome because, well, especially if it's a good reason why they went off book, and I say that with uh, air quotes. <laughs> um, oh, I use- Yeah, (laughs) with my air bunnies. Um, So, you know, I really think that's really great when they go off book because it kind of mixes it up a little bit. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't see this coming. This is really awesome. Um, I like to see where this, you know, where they're going to take this story. So I'm not, you know, kind of like, oh, no, this is absolutely horrible. And I'm not laughing at the book readers because they really genuinely didn't expect it. And it was a really big deal. But I think um, Benioff and Weiss uh, did a really good job with, you know, doing this and, and keeping it quiet because that's a key thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of loose lips on on the set of 
of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and no one knew. I mean, we had inklings that this was going to happen, and we I think we've talked about this in our podcast before that oh yeah. crap, you know, she's going to die or something bad is going to happen uh, to Shireen. But um, but I think it we, was, we didn't say we, nobody thought Stannis himself would do it though. I I think I remember myself saying that I, it what's probably going to end up happening was Stannis was probably going to end up uh, taking the witch on her uh, on her offer. But oh wow, you, I think you did. Yeah, you know what? I, th- I think, I, think I, I did. But it, I mean, it's just one of those things that. And I, I scoffed at you. Oh, scoff. Um, but you know, I, I think it was really, really good. I don't. I mean, I don't know about book readers um, being outraged about it because I don't hang out on the red on Reddit. But if you guys are, it's going to be okay. Okay, I got through the red wedding. I have the video to prove it that I got through the. Red- <laughs> 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 I have the video of of me getting over the red wedding because I did videotape myself on it, uh, watching that scene. But you know, it, it, I think it's going to be really okay. It was very, very as a mother myself of a child. I have a little boy, and um, it was hard to watch, and especially when the pitch changed when you knew that she was crying for her life, and then she was just crying because she was you know that was that was really really hard so I'm not scoffing at anybody who felt like it was just too much because it I mean I feel like Benioff and I'm going off on a tangent here but uh, I feel like Benioff and Weiss kind of like you know check off little boxes every season of like okay this what are the like the top 10 things that would outrage somebody and then they're like oh yeah stabbing a pregnant woman in the stomach check uh yeah a woman being raped by her husband check you know, I mean, it's like literally they just kind of like go, you know, I mean, Rabbit brother and those broken everywhere. Check. Yes. <laughs> I seriously like I think that that's what they did at the beginning of the or, or maybe it's not even Benioff and wife. Maybe it's actually the writer because I haven't read the books, but that's what no, I feel like. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. OK. Um, no, I mean, Martin has his own style. Don't get me wrong. Martin has his own devious style of writing and he does not hold anything back. It's just and here, here's. The problem of translating such a huge body of work to a one-hour TV show a week in 10 hours a year. Here's, here's the huge problem is you don't have time to set up things like um, fake Arya being raped by Ramsay and her dogs being, before she gets rescued and his dogs before she, she gets rescued by Theon. That kind of stuff is the stuff that written by George R. R. Martin, there's a build-up to it. There's this. There's that. And as a reader, you're going, okay… He's going to rape her. Yep, she's going to be raped. You might as well consider her raped. But when it happens to a character that you've watched grow up, like like Sansa, and you go, uh, what is she doing going to Winterfell? Uh, why is Littlefinger leaving her at Winterfell? Uh, <laughs> oh my god, this is going to be bad. Holy shit, he's doing it. That that was kind of the shock value, and that's what people's big complaint was, was that it was that they think that it was done for shock value. Uh, well, I tell those sure. people – Enjoy it. Just enjoy the show. What's that, Annie? The thing is, I don't think it's done for shock value. I don't think they changed that to Sansa for shock value. I think they changed it to Sansa because it made the most sense in condensing the story down to a, to a televisual medium that would make sense. One of the things that was pointed out to me today, first of all, was um, when John and the Wildlings arrive back at the Wall, they arrive at the Wall from the north side. 
Mm-hmm. Now, we all know, well, book readers do, I don't know about you, Isis, but, um, and anybody who's obsessed over the maps would know that Hardhome is actually located on the sea, so the fastest way to get there is to go south of the wall and take the ocean. So to mm-hmm. come back, you would come back south of the wall. But because it's a TV show, and the only thing they've really established about it, because the only thing they really had time to establish about it is Hardhome, north of the wall, wildlings there. So, yes. therefore, when they came back, they came back from nor- the north side of the wall. And there were book readers who were like, well, why did they come back that way? Because the television show needed to condense it to make visual sense. Absolutely. That is a great point. So it's, it's the same thing with Sansa. And in a way, it's the same thing with choosing to move Shireen's death to where it is now rather than leaving her at the wall and having to go back for her or God knows what in heaven's name we're going to do in the books that will take 72 chapters just to get there. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that they basically had to streamline it. They have to get to Stannis versus Bolton. They have to get it done by the end of this season because they only have 20 more hours to go and they have to get to fire versus ice they actually have to get danny over to westeros they have to get things done that's why hizzy is now dead i'm sorry i'm, I'm yeah. gonna refer to him as hizzy because i can't actually oh, yeah. pronounce his name um hizzy shizzy. yeah i mean they just they have to condense these things down and they can't be putting in fake arias they can't be including extra Tyrells who we never actually see off screen that people could or could not be engaged to. They have to, they have to condense. So, yeah, I mean, I understood there were a lot of people who were upset about Sansa and I understand just as much. There are a lot of people who are upset about Shireen, but they had to get through that in order to get on with the story. That's a good point. And let's be honest, we can't let Stannis, be a good guy like let's be on we all fell in love with stannis throughout the whole entire season you know with his snarky remarks or him just being you know a regular badass i mean we had like almost started falling in love with him and started cheering and thinking well maybe it wouldn't be so bad if he was the king you know what i mean yeah and then it's like wait a minute no it's not a good thing if he's the king because the man would literally kill his own daughter to be the king. This is not He's a religious fanatic. And Weiss, yes. Weiss actually pointed out in an interview uh, today that Stannis has been burning random people at the stake basically since the day we met him. Mm-hmm. And why are yep. we cheering this guy on when he burns people we don't know and suddenly turn against him when he's burning somebody we do know? We should think about the fact that he's been burning people this whole time and this is completely not out of his wheelhouse. It's because we all have short memories, yep. and we and it's like Isis said, they made us like Stannis this season. The the fewer comment, everybody was like, "Oh my God, the one true king of grammar!" Like we all loved him after that, and then after after the heartwarming daddy episode where he hugged Shireen and told her that was the story when I knew she her, was dead. I you know what I kind of thought that myself. In fact, I told my wife as we watched that episode, you know what. What do I always tell you when somebody's about to die? She goes, when they have a heart-touching moment. I was like, there it is, right there. Uh, and then, of course, it, when she survived a couple episodes, I was like, maybe not. Maybe we escaped that. But I was wrong. Anyway, um, we should put a pin in this Stannis discussion because there was so much more going on in the episode. I will say this. Uh, I was never a Stannis fan until this season, so Isis, you nailed it on the head. I They made me love him, and they made me be a – uh, Team Stannis. Uh, well, that's the only way it was going to hurt more. And now, now he's been exposed. You're right. Now he's yeah. been exposed to people who 
were not fans of his. I've seen on like on the other forums people who were actual fans of Stannis that he's they're still his fans. They're like, we saw this coming. We knew what kind of person he was. And one of the comments that I saw that really brought it home for me was, even though Stannis is being making sacrifices to the Red God so that he can win these battles, he's never really going to garner the true support unless something happens to all the people because. In this, in Westeros, the Kinslayer is the most cursed man in the eyes of gods. So he's already kinslayed his brother, his uncle, and now his daughter. People are going to find out about this, and religious fanatic aside, they're not going to follow a man who kills his own family. And that's so, what Tyrion was kind of talking about when he said to Danny that you need to inspire the people to follow you. Stannis will never inspire people to follow him exactly. ever. He is basically the man that we read about in the books. He's not friendly. He's not affable. He's going to grind his teeth, and he's going to set his jaw, and he's going to do exactly what he wants to. All right, let's move over to Bravos because Arya's story took a little bit of a turn this week. Uh, Isis, what did you think about – because I know you're a big fan of Sexy Jesus. Uh, do you think that he bought Arya's lie when she came back? Oh, absolutely not. Like, he knew that she lied as soon as she walked in the door. Like, I was like, oh, no, don't lie to Sexy Jesus. Please, don't lie to Sexy... Because <laughs> Sexy Jesus sees right through you. That, uh, and by the way, Annie, that's what, that's what I refer to him. No, and, and it's totally okay. I, You know what? The fact of the matter is that he was like, she, he, the Finn man wasn't hungry? Yeah, right, kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, it was hilarious. And, and the thing was that, you know, I, I don't know if he's upset about it or if he's really, or he expected it. You know what I mean? Like, he knew that this was going to happen. He knew or she something. wasn't ready. He yeah. knew she wasn't ready. The waif said to him, she's not ready. And he said, meh, it's all the same to the many-faced god. She'll kill him or she won't, or she'll get herself killed, or she'll kill someone else. Meh. It's all the same to the many-faced god because all he wants are dead people. Well, this yeah. is true, but I just, I mean, I really felt like, you know, he, he saw through that. He knew exactly that she was lying and everything, and, uh, and I... But he I, let her get away with it. But he let her get, get away with it for right now, and I, I have right. a feeling it's going to come up to bite her in the butt okay. later. Speaking of going 13 and a half days without having something horrible happen to a woman on the show, next week, oh. everyone better brace themselves for Arya as a prostitute. I mean, oh I, I have it's basically been warning my Unsullied friends, no, really, you didn't read the Mercy chapter. That's okay. You don't have to. But Wait a you minute, better what? steal yourself. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. So, what? Hold on. Hold I, on. I have not read this chapter. I okay. have not been warned. Um, okay. So last year, um, basically to time itself with the debut of season four, George R. R. Martin dropped a chapter from the Winds of Winter to basically tease us for the book and the name of the chapter was mercy and it's all about this actress who basically lives in some attic somewhere and she performs on stage in bravos and there's a bunch of people in the audience who are clearly from westeros wearing the armor and part of her job as an actress is to then entertain the men afterwards as it were um and basically one of the soldiers comes out and she goes up to him and you basically only have enough time to put together that this is Mace Tyrell's team and that is Sir Marin Trant and then suddenly it says and and then suddenly Mercy becomes Arya and she kills him before he can even finish whipping his dick out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's not what's going to happen next week. I'm going to tell you that right now because clearly they've condensed this down and clearly they're just going to make her be a prostitute, pretend to be a prostitute. And that whole like theater part is going to be missing. And But that's basically the kind because that was a chapter from Winds of Winter that was taken out of context. We didn't get how we got there. We just suddenly had this random chapter. So this mm-hmm. is sort of the show putting in the part that we missed plus condensing it down um, with the whole thin man, her first kill. Yeah, and by the way, she still has to take care of the thin man. That's got to be that's got to be reconciled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's got to figure out how to reconcile that and find a face. Uh, the the trailer for the next episode has her clearly the hall of faces. It shows her in the hall of faces, looking at a face. So she's deciding to put on a new face and to be a young little prostitute. I'm wondering. Annie, I'm wondering if she puts on the face of the little girl that she gave the gift to, the first gift to. I don't know, but I that what I would think be is amazing. When she, when she takes herself over to the prostitute house and gets herself a job, she's going to call herself Mercy. Oh my God! And then the internet will partially break because book readers will be like, "Ha! Oh my God! There it is!" Yep. And then it'll be back up. Anyway, so. Wow. We had a lot of stuff going on. Bravos, Marin Trent there. Uh, I love Mace Tyrell. Oh, by my the way. God. I'm, that that I, whole singing, that, I mean, seriously, it was hard to enjoy that knowing the whole Serene thing. But at the same time, I was dying. It, oh, Mace yeah, Tyrell it had so little to do. And it was so nice to actually see him have a fun scene. He he reminds me of watching uh, The Wizard of Oz for the first time and the, the Lollipop Guild comes out. <laughs> reminds me of the leader of the Lollipop Guild. I love him so much. He's like my favorite grandpa. I love him. And I, I, I hope that he's on the show forever. See, uh, and that's the thing is that you guys know all this stuff from the books, whereas – me as just a soul, you know, an unsullied. I'm like, uh, okay, you know. This, do you like? Do you like Mace Tyrell? He's okay. It, I mean, okay? I can take him in small doses. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, he did this funny thing. Like, if he was on every single episode, I would find him absolutely annoying. But in small doses, he's fine. He's like a little, you know, like a little chocolate left on your pillow and everything. And you're like, oh, <laughs> look, I got a little chocolate on my pillow. And then, but <laughs> you went on for a minute. Isn't that great? <laughs> Uh, you know that's fine, but I mean I'm I don't want him on every single episode because if he was, well, they, then they, I would they, want they him dead. Done They've done exactly oh, that. Oh no, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But he has not garnered like the type of like jubilation that you guys expressed just a few minutes ago. Because <laughs> I'm like, wow, you guys really like him. Well, I'm in, like, in an episode hmm. filled with burning children and you know, and possible, possibly child, possible pedo- pedophilia, ch- uh, child, child prostitution. Hey, can we? Just, uh, I have to enjoy. I have to enjoy the the leader of the lollipop guild singing songs in the streets of Broadway. Can so. we just talk about how all the other guardsmen were like looking at that guy going when he was like too old, too like they were all oh, like yeah. looking at him like. Dude, really? Really? Yeah, but Dude, like, really? He's, he's the member of the he's he's the member of the King's Guard, so he outranks them all. Yeah. So basically they've got to follow him around and do whatever he says. No, I just thought it was yeah, it was gross, but I just thought I was like, man, even the other guards are like, Really, man? Really? So it was pretty interesting. Um So we have we have we've got Arya and Bravos and I have a feeling that in episode ten she's gonna have a confrontation with the wave. I think they've set it up too much this season not to address it. Uh, the wave even told Sexy Jesus that she was not ready, and clearly she was not. Maybe she I have kills. A... Maybe she kills the wave and takes her face. Oh my God! You heard it here, folks, guys. <laughs> Unsullied tinfoil. 
unsolved foil. Yep. I love it, but uh, I, we, we have to see what's going to happen there in episode 10. We've only got like an hour, as far as I know. I don't think it's going to be longer than an hour. So uh, Anyway, let's, let's get her over to the wall. We talked about a little bit about uh, the wildlings coming over from Hard Home, and I, I like to put it this way. They used Littlefinger's magical transporter, and <laughs> they transported from Hard Home boats to no, the wall. No, they stayed at the White Ham Hotels. There you <laughs> You've seen those commercials, right? I love those yes. commercials. Do they get points back? <laughs> well, the, yeah. the Wineham Wizard is played by Tormund Giants Bane in the commercials. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, it's a big meme it's already. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, it's, uh, anyway, um, so they're, they're now at the wall, and at first I kind of thought that we were going to see our first major book depart, uh, departure and that Alistair Thorne was not going to allow them into the wall. Uh, Isis, what did you think whenever uh, Alistair was sneering down from above at Jon Snow? Oh, I, t- I totally thought that was going to happen. I said, oh, crap, this is going to suck. And then, I, you know, of course, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, so what, it, what could he do to still get in there? So I'm like, well, maybe they can send the giant up there because they're not really prepared for a war or anything like that. And like the, the, the giant can just like pluck him off, you know, the top. I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not a book reader, so I'm just kind of thinking of like, okay, if you had to get in there, what are you going to do? So, and then of course, I also thought that Sam, uh, was probably going to go ahead and, you know, try to convince him. I don't know. I'm just glad that it didn't come to that, that he did let him in. And then he made that comment like, you know, you're going to kill us all. or some- You've got a good heart, Jon Snow, but you're going to get us all yeah, killed. Yeah, you're going to get us all killed. And I was just like, dude, you you guys were dead already. This just gives you a better chance. Um, well, Annie, Annie, that was a major departure for Alistair to even acknowledge the fact that I Snow love that the show has made Sir Alistair a lot more sympathetic than he is in the books. In the Absolutely. books, because you only ever see him from John's point of view, he's basically a dick, and you just can't stand him. But you hate. But the combined with the scene from episode nine last season, where he basically explains command to John, mm-hmm. combined with this, is a reminder that he's actually a really smart guy who basically only ended up at the wall because he was on the losing side of the Targaryen War. And that yeah. he, it's, it's not, he's not a rapist, he's not a thief, he's not a killer, he just accidentally wound up on the wrong side of a war, and that's why he's at the wall. He's actually a smart guy, he's a good leader, and he gets what John is doing. He gets it. He doesn't approve, but he gets it, which is a whole lot more than you can say for Ollie, whose only smart seemed to be standing under the eaves so he doesn't get snowed on. And staring, staring angrily at John every time he looks at him. I mean, seriously. I think last night, last night was – I don't think there could have been – and I've been screaming about this all season long, and I'm going to write an article about it this week. But I've been screaming all – or probably after the finale, I'll write an article about it. I've been screaming all season long that Ollie – they're setting up ridiculous amounts of foreshadowing with Ollie. Like every time Ollie looks at John, he's got this scowl on his face. Even when he was clapping for him when he got Lord Commander – he still was scowling at him. Like, there's just not a time where Ollie can, you know, like... At this point, when people say to me, you know, I think Ollie might try and, I don't know, maybe try and kill John. I just look at them like, no, really? Yeah, I, yeah. and we're not going to ruin it for anybody, because I don't want to ruin this. This might be... 
this might be uh, red wedding level shock for for no for non book readers. So ISIS, we're not going to ruin it. Well, for you, if but, they uh, if they kill Jon Snow, I might be over with this show because I mean, <laughs> I swear that's I mean, not, not I love the entire show as a whole, but what has me has me enchanted with the show is really like the mystery of who Jon Snow really is, and and watching him be who he he be who he becomes and so uh if ollie you know i mean i wouldn't mind if if john actually kills ollie i mean if it happens it happens you, you and 90 percent of the internet yeah want him, want ollie to die. yeah and i'm like <laughs> i'm like okay well if ollie dies well whatever you know but i mean i really feel like if they went ahead and had ollie kill uh john it's like what what was this whole thing, you know, worth? I mean, it's like watching, what was that soap opera where the kid, it was all this kid's dream and stuff like that, and it really, none of that stuff ever happened. And <laughs> so I was hot, hot, hot or on the floor with a, with, a, with a snow globe that's got Castle Black inside. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like thinking like, oh God, please don't let this happen because that's exactly how I would feel. It was like, well, what, what was the reason for all of this? So, um, but I'm, I hope that doesn't happen. I'm really happy what happened, but let's just, can we just talk about how Sam always has to give John like his pep talk? Like he's like his hype man. He has to yeah. like hype him up every time because he's like, you know, he's so emo. He's like, oh, I didn't save enough people. And blah, blah, blah. and so like, I, I feel bad for, for um, Sam having to be his hype man every single time. So Absolutely. he's like the, right. he's that's like the, that's like the that's yeah, that's, he's like the unsung hero, you know, as far as the wall is to, to hype, you know, John up. All get Sam's him ready. are good support. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's what I was thinking about it. Well, yeah, so we've got a lot of things uh, going on at the wall for the next episode, but really the wall was kind of just given to us as an afterthought in this episode. John shows up with the wildlings. They walk through. We had our funny moment with 1-1 passing through and everybody being all awestruck and him passing by Jon Snow and giving him a look like, oh, I cannot God. understand why Jon Snow doesn't just explain to the rest of the wall, look, do you want 1-1 fighting for you when the White, when the white Walkers right. come? Or do you want a White Walker 1-1 trying to kill you? I mean, well, what I don't so get is why is, if they don't have Ed sit there and tell all the brothers of the Night Watch what happened, I'm going to be very upset because they need to know that this was a complete and total uh, obliteration. Of life yeah. by the Night's King, and it's coming for them. That's where it's headed next. They're, they're, on, they're on a train to the wall, and it's, there's no stops. So uh, they better get ready. And that, that's what I'm wondering is are we going to have uh, White Walkers at the wall by the end of, by the end of uh, next episode? What do you think? I don't think there are. I don't think we'll get there. What do you think, Annie? Um, okay. If they stay within the boundaries of the books, I know they've gone off in places, but if they generally stay within the boundaries of the books, they're not going to do that. They're going to end with the events at the wall, and they're not going to bring outsiders to the wall. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is there are only 20 hours left. And winter is clearly on its way and has arrived at least from Winterfell upward. Um, I'm really, really hoping what I really want to see next, week i know this is silly and i know this is petty but i want it to snow in king's landing ah uh, yes i want to see a white raven yeah i want oh. I, I want it to snow in king's landing i want winter to 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 go down south i want the southerners to suddenly have to put their furs around themselves 
what she's referring to, uh, Isis, is the very end, the, pro, the epilogue of uh, Dance with Dragons. Is it's actually she, snowing in King's Landing. It's actually snowing time. in King's Landing. And, and uh, the uh, we won't we won't say anything else. Okay. There is a scene where a window is open and a white raven sitting in the window. And the white raven is the signal from the citadel of the maesters that winter has come. Oh wow! Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. that would be awesome. I don't think we're gonna probably get to there. I think you know if because because uh, Stannis sent his man back to the wall to get more people. So I think that's what we're gonna get uh, for the last episode. Is uh, there's so much? Well, see, here's the thing though. There is so much that has to happen in the season finale for everything to be wrapped up. You have to have uh, Danny's story wrapped up, mm-hmm. and then in, in the synopsis, she's in the synopsis. You have to have Jon Snow's story wrapped up, and he's in a synopsis. You have to have uh, the Bolton-Stannis uh, face-off, again, in the synopsis in the trailer. You have to have Cersei in the, in the, in the final episode. And, again, not, and, and Marjorie trailer. and, well, maybe Loras, but at least yeah, Marjorie. Yeah, the, the Tyrells, yeah. absolutely. And to, to wrap all that around your head, You've got to think, what are they going to do with, with Jamie and Braun? Are we going to see Jamie and Braun actually exit Dorne? Or did we see the last of them this past episode? They've, Game of Thrones has done this. Sometimes they'll say goodbye to, epi- to, to characters in episode 9, and you won't see them in episode 10. Uh, Sansa I don't know actually that... went away. The last we saw Sansa and Littlefinger in season 4 was episode 8. We didn't see them after episode 8. Right. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So... Um, and you're awesome. Is a track from, yeah, she is. She's got. I told you she's the glue that holds us together. When we're <laughs> she is. Uh, she's awesome. But um, I can tell you this: Game of Thrones is a track record of going away from major characters. I just don't see how they're going to be able to tie up all these stories. They'll have uh, to go back to the round robin format. The yeah, only the way the 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 thing that they've really gotten away from this season, from about episode three through this one, is that they've stopped going around in a circle where basically you're doing check-ins with seven or eight storylines in a row, but you only do one and you never go back to it. That was kind of the hallmark of the first four seasons. This season, instead, what we've had is we've had, you know, two scenes at one place mixed with two scenes from another place and then two scenes from another place mixed with two scenes from another place and then one long extended scene at the end. And I've really enjoyed that because it means you get longer periods at each place and Part of the reason why they can do that is because a lot of the storylines have condensed down together, so there's not as many you have to track. Um, but even so, the only way I can see us getting through everything and Brienne and Pod and oh my god, and, yeah. and if the Kraken's daughter shows up, and I mean there are so many bits and pieces that need to be tied in. The only way I can see this really working is if they go back to that round robin format. That would have to absolutely that man you. Again, I I thought I completely forgot about Brianna Pod. Like, yeah, but we Isis, haven't checked in with them. We haven't. Last time we saw Brienne, she was staring at, at Winterfell, mm-hmm. waiting for a candle to be lit in a tower. Isis, this is your favorite girl. I know. Uh, Brienne's your girl. Now, you we need to see some some uh, conclusions to her story. In I five, I need I need her I need to see her wrecking some dicks. I sincerely <laughs> do. She has not wrecked any dicks this season. Well. Well, what happens that when right? she sees Stannis? Yeah, yeah, no, she has. Yeah, yeah. she's gonna have to see Stannis at some point. Yeah, she's at Winterfell. She is basically, she's basically an Annie. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where she is, that's the show's version of Wintertown, right? Um, that's, the town yeah, that's basically the same inn that we saw Tyrion in at that very first scene yeah. in, oh, the, okay. in exactly. the pilot episode. That's where so she's hanging out. So basically, 
it's right outside the gates of, of Winterfell. In yeah. fact, that's where the people of the north come to went to come to stay for the winter because the lords of Winterfell will take care of them as long as they're in that little town during winter. So she's going to see Stannis attack the attack Winterfell. So she's going to be put up with a problem. A conundrum will come across Brienne's path. Do I go and kill Stannis like I vowed? Or, during the confusion, do I try to creep into Winterfell and, and save Sansa? This is going to have to be answered. No, and that's again, awesome. I'm so glad because I really feel like we've missed a whole lot of her. Um, I understand that she's filming a movie. She was filming correct. a movie uh, during And that was this. part of the reason why she wasn't, uh, they kind Prevalent. of half, yeah, they kind of yeah. half wrote her out in order for her to be able to go do other things and other projects because they're nice like that, but it, I still miss her. Oh, I yeah. I mean, what is Star Wars? And her, you, can't, you can't say no to Star Wars. No, you really and her can't. and Marjorie were both uh, the girl who plays Marjorie. Uh, she's also a terrific actress, and she was doing other things. And I, I understand why they were doing. You know, they're doing. Oh, other right, things, she was in the Hunger Games. Yes, they she both was. are. They both the are. Second, they both are in the end of the Hunger Games. That's right. And, I forgot about that. And so, see, I wrote an article about that. Anyway, That's um, right. so. Like I said, I really love uh, Brienne. I really hope to see. Um, Brienne, if if I know Brienne, like I think I know her, not book wise, but just her character on TV, I think she's going to go ahead and go and save um, Sansa. She's going to try to go and save Sansa. If she can go ahead and kill Stannis on the way out, then she'll do it. But I think at the end of the day, her vow to Sansa's mom is more important to her than her desire to go ahead and kill Stannis at this moment. I will take this a step farther. I will say this before yesterday's or before last night's episode. I was like, I don't want Brienne to kill Stannis. I, I like Stannis. Mm-hmm. Now I hope she she cuts his dick off. Like I hope she like does horrible things to him with hope. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, is that Stannis is our best hope for getting rid of Ramsay. I know you're right. I so you know, you... it's really kind of a game of which is worse. Like you know, picking the worst <laughs> evil. You know, it's like voting for Cthulhu. Why vote for the lesser one? I mean, really, it's just <laughs> I I I don't know which one. I want. If in a perfect world, Stannis will kill Ramsay, and then Brienne will kill Stannis. And I'm with in Annie. In that order, and it can't be w- any other order. I'm with Annie. I'm with Annie on that one. That's exactly how I would. If, well, we, if I, would I had also my like perfect, to see a resolution you know, to Bruce, though. Bruce can't be allowed to continue to walk around the North like like he's done nothing wrong. Hold on I mean, a second. Hold on a second. I would like to make a point that Bruce is the out of him and Stannis. Who's the one who who kept their their child alive? I and just, who's the one who kept his word? Exactly. I'm sorry, God. but Roos, unfortunately, uh, greater than Stannis. Oh. Sorry. That, that and, kills and, me to And, say. you know, the fact of the matter is, is fine. Leave him alive as Warden of the North. After all, Littlefinger's got a piece of paper that says if he takes down Roos, who will be very easy to take down once Ramsay and his army have been decimated by Stannis, then he gets to be Warden mm-hmm. of the North. And, and who's not to say that Roos yeah. won't be a part of that anyway? And our Roos won't hightail it out of Winterfell once he sees Ramsay go down. Like I kind of have a feeling that if Stannis beats Ramsay, then we're going to see a complete takeover, a complete raising. Well, not basically a raising. They're going to they're not going to destroy Winterfell, but we're going to see Winterfell being taken over by uh, Stannis. And if Sansa is still around. He'll put her in place as Warden of the North. And you know, Littlefinger would probably like to be the one to take Roos down. After all, he did kill Cat. Ah, uh-huh. oh my God! Nice point. I forgot all about. I mean, I didn't forget about it, but yeah, I was sitting here thinking, I don't want Rooster to run around because he's the one that put the knife in Rob Stock's heart. But I'm yeah, you're right. With, he also. I'm good with Roos staying alive for right now, but exactly, Ramsey has to die. But at the no, same absolutely. time, I'm Please okay God. with. 
Yes. Oh my God. Well, even the 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 actor who plays uh, Ramsey is like, man, I really hope that my character has a really terrific death. He goes, <laughs> oh, like, he I is don't so it. great. Uh, have you actually seen like some of his music? He's a no, musician. I oh, I have not. He is a folk musician in real life. Like he folk actually, music, yeah, like, like folk music, <laughs> like British, uh, Irish folk music. It's pretty good it's too. Good stuff. But he uh he apparently in, in one interview he said that when it came time to do the Sansa rape scene, he literally was sitting outside the set studio thinking to himself, I, I I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. This is my job. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Oh my god, I have to go do this. Yeah. No, that's I mean, he I can't imagine uh, and there's another show that, again, I'm going to mention again, Outlander, that I watched. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge rape scene. And uh, Bandit, uh, Bandit uh, David and I have talked about it before, about how hard it was for those actors to have to put themselves in that moment of whether being the rapist or being the rapee. And, um, you know, it's it's incredible where these actors have to go just to portray it and it's fake it's not it's not really happening but uh the mentality that you know they have to kind of put themselves into it is very very ugly but yeah i think um i think that it's going to be very interesting when we get to there i really hope that pod i miss pod too i love I love pod. And so I hope we see some really great um, pod interaction with Brienne and then Brienne just wrecking some dicks because she hasn't wrecked any dicks since like what episode two. So like I'm ready. Yeah. House Aaron. Yeah. Guard. Yeah. I'm ready for that. So, well, uh, we do know that Sansa has a big speech where she says, uh, if I'm going to die, I let it be with at least a piece of me or something like that. So she's ready. It seems like Sansa is ready to fight. Whether it's with Theon or where, whether she sees Stannis come outside the wall, maybe she tries to get down to him. I don't know what her plan is. Maybe she, maybe her plan is to be subversive and like cause problems from the inside. I don't know. I just uh, hope but, she doesn't end up having Pod or Brienne killed because then that's just going to make people hate her even there's more. There's been a, there's been a, there's <laughs> been a very, a very uh, weird theory traveling around that that in order to gain uh, Roose's or Ramsay's trust, that she'll have. Brienne or Pod killed or both killed when they come into Winterfell. I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like Sansa to do that to Sansa at this point, we're really just we're taking her from being a victim to the to the villain. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know think... she said that if she had it in her, she would do to Theon what Ramsay did to him, but there's a level of failure of imagination on her part, I think when she says things like that. Yeah, plus she's doing that out of anger and rage yeah. for her and grief out of for her brothers that she thought was dead. So, I think and plus, honestly, the fact that she knows her brothers are alive now, I don't think she would be the villain. I think she would want to be the wardeness of the North so she could spend her time and efforts finding her brothers. I and agree. And re- reuniting her family. Uh, so let's let's leave Winterfell. That's going to be a big point of contention next episode. Let's let's go now to Meereen where we had the big the big. Well, you know what? I take it back. Let's don't go to Meereen yet. Let's go what? to. ISIS's favorite spot. No, we gotta Dorne. go to Dorne. We we, we gotta we, go to Dorne have, first. Okay, we okay. can't get to Marine until we go through Dorne. Okay, oh, okay. So let's go to Dorne. Okay, so we went to Dorne, and um, we we watched Bron uh, get his face butt knocked in, and we're done. Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> Let me tell you, I really thought that they were going to make him marry one of the Sand Snakes, which I was completely okay with. Like, I thought that that was what was going to end up happening. Like, he was going to get his ass handed to him, and then he was going to have to marry the short-haired Sand Snake. Yeah. 
Yeah. I thought that's who he was going to marry. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be so good because he's going to be stuck with her. And she's going to want to fight and she's going to want to have sex. This is awesome. <laughs> and so. Um, because that's what the Dornish do. That's what, the Dorn- he, that's what he said. The Dornish do. So I, and he's not married. So I'm like, why not? And this would be like really cool. Anyway, he gets his face punched in, which is not a bad deal. But I found it very funny that daddy uncle or uncle daddy, whatever you want to call him, uh, was all like, what do you have on? What are you wearing? Like all up in her Kool-Aid about the clothes that she was wearing. And I'm like, trying to slut shame her outfit. And she's like, I'm comfortable. Like, I'm like, um, for real, this is what you're going with. I mean, you fucked your sister. Let's not, let's not throw any stones here. So anyway, I just thought it was really, really under, um, really, kind of weird but i really did like the interaction uh between the prince of dorn and i guess that's what his name yeah his name is actually duran yeah and his interaction with um what's her name Illyria. Illyria. Who I really do like. I like Illyria. I get her passion. She's a passionate woman. I'm a Latina, and I feel like she could be a Latina too. And so she would uh, she would go ahead and fight for her man, even though he's dead now. And so I just felt really kind of like he was telling her, like, look, you need to stop this. You really, really need to stop this and, and kind of – you're about to start here's, the war. Here's how I interpreted the entire Ilaria and the Sand Snakes uh, brief scene – not with the slap fight. That was perfect. That was the oh, best was so Sand awesome. Snake scene. Besides Tyene taking her top off for Braun. That was the best Sand Snake scene of the entire uh, se- uh, season so far. When they were slapping each other and Tyene like, slaps her in the face. That was amazing. Let me I tell that. you, my child walked in to the be- into the bedroom while I was watching it. And he was going to come and say goodnight to me. And it was the exact moment where she slaps <laughs> her in the face. And my six-year-old child died laughing. <laughs> that is hilarious, Mom. And I'm over here trying to explain to him why it's not hilarious. But it was totally <laughs> hilarious. It was totally hilarious. No, but I mean, here's, here's my theory about the Sand Snakes and Ilaria and the whole kiss the ring, crying thing. I really believe that – and he made a point to say, I will not forgive a third time. I really believe that – the Sand Snakes and Ilaria are not done with Jamie, Braun, Tristane, and Marcella. I have a feeling that if we do get to see them in season in episode ten, episode ten, if we do get to see them at all, it's going to be a waylay on the King's Road or whatever road comes out of Dorne to to King's Landing. I have a feeling that the Sand Snakes are going to try to attack because, and here, here's the reason I say this, and Annie, as a book reader, you'll kind of see where I'm going with this. No, I do um, see where you're going with this already. Trist- Tristane has been giving, given the seat given the seat of small council, which was a sand snake seat in the books. Uh, Ilaria poured the wine out on the floor, which is what the sand snakes did in the books. Um, and then Doran like gives the sand snakes a different mission. They all have different missions, either in King's Landing or around King's Landing or in Dorne, taking care of things and and and, and buttoning up all the problems. He didn't do any of that. He kept them in in, in their their hands binded. And and he he said, I only forgive twice. I don't forgive three times. I have a feeling that this is going to come back around, and we may see – what book readers may understand this. We may see the Ares Oak Cart or the Dark Star chapter happen on the way out of Dorne. I'm just, I'm just going to put it to you that way. Um, yeah. The thing that struck me the most is the fact that this show storyline has been far kinder to Marcella than the book is. Um, yes. 
And I actually wouldn't be surprised if they skipped Dorn this coming week. Like, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they skipped Dorn this coming week. And that becomes the beginning of next season. Mm. Okay. Um, especially you know because what? we know that there are some um, desert locations in Spain that they have been scouting. And it would make a lot of sense for that sort of waylay moment um, to be part of the next season. It's also a good way to keep Ron on the show. Yes. We need to keep Ron on the show as long as possible because Simon Cowell needs him to sing so he can get royalties. <laughs> See, and I hashtag keep Braun on the show. Yeah, Braun is excellent. I love him, and I and I love he's this, so much I mean, better in the show than in the books. So, oh, so much better. Oh, he's amazing. Like he was, you know, my bro OTP is between him and uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, oh my god. No, well, Jamie, him and Jamie are my bro OTP right now because I, I really enjoy them to, together and their interactions together. How they, you know, basically kind of punk him out because, like, I love the little look on uh, Jamie's face when he knew that, you know, Braun was about to get his, you know, face punched in. And, and he was just kind of, like, smiling about it, like, oh, you're about to get your punch. You know, you don't even know it yet. And it's coming. It's coming. And it was absolutely <laughs> awesome. I really appreciated that. We didn't get enough of that. That's no. We did not. No, to be honest, this this episode had the best Dorn scenes of the entire season, and I actually chalk that up mostly to Alexander Siddig and uh, Indra Varma, uh, who are uh, uh, Doran and Elaria. I really feel like allowing them to be the centers of Dorn really helped the show a lot, and I think they need to make sure that they need to do more of that next season. Right. I've been screaming since this season started that I wanted to see Dr. Julian Bashir in the, in the wheelchair, <laughs> like, start screaming at people and doing things. And, Careful, and if fact... he does that, the holodeck might malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, at least he had some interaction, and he was a badass. He had some great badass lines this, this episode, like uh, when he grabbed her when she was going to walk out of the room, and he told her, I, I would not want to see something happen to you. And then whenever he, he made her kiss his ring, and I don't forgive a third That was time. just a gorgeous shot, too. Like, that whole the framing yeah. of that, everything about that shot was so gorgeous. And you know what? That's been the case of Dorne. All the shots of Dorne have been beautiful. They've been poorly uh, acted and poorly choreographed in the fight scenes. But, but I'm not here to complain about that. So we've, we're done talking about Dorne for now. We, we, I think Annie's probably right. We probably won't see them in episode 10. But uh, if we do, that's my theory of what's going to happen. Um, so let's go out to, Mir- to Mirene now, Slaver's Bay, to Daznak's Pit. And Annie, I have to ask you this. Um, were you shocked? Okay, let me ask you this. Before you say you were shocked, when, <laughs> his, when, Hizzy, sh- when Hizzy first showed up late – Oh, I was, think, oh. I, my actual tweet was something to the effect of, oh, nothing, dear, just plotting your demise. Yes, exactly. In fact, I was, I was running the, the, the Wick account, and I almost tweeted out, oh, nothing, just preparing these, these, these honeyed locusts for you, my dear, <laughs> um, which is a, a book nod. He, it's a poison thing that he does in the books, well, we think he does in the books. Anyway, I thought to myself, well, he was out, he was out getting the rest of the Sons of the Harpy ready, and when they showed up, I was like, yep. Should have never trusted a dude, and then he gets stabbed twice in the chest. Now, of course, it wasn't in the heart. Many people have pointed out, but he's still you. No, he's down. Still hard. He's dead. He's down. He's dead. Like he got stabbed once, twice, and I think they stabbed him in the back too before they drug him off. So he, you know, his he's dead, and that's something that was a big, big shocker to book readers because he's still alive in the books. Um, he's blamed for. 
He's blamed for the events of Daznak's pit, um, and Sir Barrison, who's now dead, arrest him after killing his bodyguards, which was an awesome scene. Then come. Uh, so we, we didn't have any of that, of course. Barry's not there anymore, so we had to have a hizzy uh, had to be put away. So I was kind of shocked by that. That was the first revelation that really shocked me in Daznak's pit. And then we had Jorah fight poorly. I was shocked by how poorly he fought, Annie. What did you think? Um, I thought that he was doing the William Shatner barrel roll, wasn't he? I mean, obviously. <laughs> like, I was totally like, no, I've seen that. He he watched a lot of Star Trek as a kid, didn't he? I mean... They should have had a soundtrack going... No, actually, no. What they really should have had was Jim Ross call the show. <laughs> no, you're actually... I saw somebody put... After you said that last night, I actually saw somebody put that on... Uh, on on Reddit, they did a whole Jim Ross thing. Oh, that's so awesome! I'm sorry I missed yeah, that because the fact of the matter is, is ever since Dario basically explained how he the roars of the crowd and how he could never, you know, nothing will ever live up to that. All I could think was of old wrestlers talking like that and how <laughs> basically so Daznak's Pit is basically the WWE of Marine. Okay then, and you know, so I kind of had that in my mind, and then you know, Jorah showed up, and all I could. Jim Ross and my brain going, that's Dora's music! And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, when it all went dead and the noise of Drogon, I'm just like, I had Jim Ross screaming in my head, my God, that's Drogon! <laughs> you know. <laughs> Son of a bitch! Yeah, exactly. Like, it just, and you know. Yeah, I, I, it really needed Michael Cole and Jim Ross to call the show. Well, that, 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 somebody did that on Reddit, and they gave him, like, a thousand Reddit gold for it. Like, he just got, like... Seriously, it's brilliant. It was, it, was, it was hilarious. And then somebody, like, posted under him, they put a picture of the Night's King from last ep- from episode 8, where he was raising his hand, mm-hmm. and they put the Undertaker next to him. And here's the Undertaker! And I was like, oh, my God. Don't take this any farther. My heart can't do it. All right. So, uh, Isis, uh, what did you think of the fact that Jorah threw a spear, did you think he was throwing it at, like, Hisdar or, like, maybe Dario? I thought he, he was going to, I thought he was going to uh, do it at Dario, because he was standing, you know, kind of in between, behind him. I knew he would never, and, I mean, I don't know why he would want to kill Dario, because he is, at the end of the day, protecting um, Danny. Uh, yeah. I want to know. They are on the fuck. same team. Yeah, they're on the same team. Uh, Where the fuck the Unsullied are? Did they get the day off? Was it like, you know, two for one Sunday? Once again, and I will explain this every time, Unsullied are not good one-on-one. They don't do guerrilla fighting. Unsullied are trained, the kind of trained fighters that walk in rows and kill in rows. Think like uh, the Revolutionary War versus like uh, guerrilla fighters. Like that's the the kind of fighting they're good at. They're good at lockstep and don't break. They're not good at the Sons of the Harpy type fighting. Like this was Which never problem, their the problem is, though, never, and that's the They had their that, chance though. But Danny is using them the wrong way. She bought this. She bought these people to be her protection, but she didn't understand how to use them because she's not a general. Right. Well, I just well, I, I kept on watching that, going, man, uh, you know, are they going to pop in somewhere? Especially, you know, at least all come in a row uh, in the center where, you know, I, I don't know. I, expect, I, just, I expected Grey Worm to lead a battalion of uh, Unsullied out to the middle, and that didn't happen. And we didn't get to see Grey Worm last episode, which obviously he was injured this entire season after after the Barry death. Yeah. But I was kind of going, 
he should have healed by now, and he should have been out there, and why wasn't he there? I'm assuming we'll see something from him next episode, I hope, because I like Grey Worm. He's one of my favorite characters. But uh, We know from the trailer yeah, we know, will at least at least stop off in Marine when Danny yeah, is we'll not see there. Marine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I so, thought it was very interesting, but I really did think that he was trying to go, uh, go ahead and uh, kill Dario Nohani. Uh, no, yeah, or no, no Heine. <laughs> yeah, no Um uh, And I was really, you know, like it kind of shocked me. And then, of course, when Danny, I guess, I guess, were they married at that point? Uh, Danny and that other guy. We didn't yes. have a royal wedding. We never saw yeah. the royal wedding, but it sort of seems that they. I mean, when he took her to the to the smaller pits, the way yeah. they were talking, I assume that they either had been married off screen or were officially engaged. But yeah. either way. Either even if he even if they were married or weren't married, he needed to be killed off because the fact of the matter yeah. is is that Danny needs to be available to make political marriage foods for Westeros. What's she doing getting married to a master of Marine? How is this going to help her when she gets to Westeros? That's right. uh, marriage is a political pawn. I, I don't understand. Especially in that time. Well, and I, trying to say. No, well, maybe that was the intent was to kill him off anyway, so the marriage wasn't going to last long. But it, mm-hmm. it was kind of it seemed kind of useless, at the, especially they didn't seem like they were married for very long anyway. Uh, I love the fact that Tyrion had made himself so small. And I'm not saying that being like trying to be funny, but like no one even touched him. Like you don't even see the the fight is going on for like five minutes and you don't even see. Tyrion. He literally disappears. It's great. Like, yeah. yeah. Like he literally disappears and then pops back up and then he takes, you know, Danny's BFF and like, all right, let's go and runs. And, it, and he has his like his knife and everything. It was so many adorable. People, yeah. Well, many people forget that he's a badass. He. He led the armies of, of the King's Landing into the Battle of Blackwater. And in the books, he actually fights way more than he does in the, in the books. Well, he does I thought the show. he was going to mix it up with the Sons of the Harpy. You know, I thought he was going to Well, you know, he killed the one. Well, he killed just, the one. Well, okay, yes, the one. But I thought he was really going to mix <laughs> it up. Um, but, I again, I was just so happy with the fact that, you know um, – of course. Oh, okay. So another thing that kind of bothered me was the fact that Danny looked like she was about to have an orgasm on, well, like when she's watching uh, Sir Friendzone fight it out. Like I was just mm-hmm. like, she's over here, like, oh my god, he's gonna die, he's gonna die. Oh my she god, was getting the vapors. like she really was. And I'm I like, got the vapors. and I'm like, wait a minute, you've exiled him twice. You, you've told him repeatedly that you want to kill him, and here you are. But it breaks old. her heart every time she does it, and that doesn't mean she actually wants to watch him die. And here's why I like Amelia Clark, though. Her facial expressions, every time she's banished him, she's proven that she did not want to do it. She had to do it. Mm-hmm. And even when she asked Tyrion his judgment, would, should she banish him, she still had that look on her face. She was still crying when she did it. She had tears in her eyes. Um, and then this episode just proved the fact that he jorah ultimately redeemed himself in danny's eyes this episode he saved her from the attack but the fact of the matter is is that he doesn't stay away when he's told to stay away and yeah is absolutely right to say he you cannot trust him i mean for the fact i don't believe in any of the grayscale hysteria but the fact of the matter is is that jorah has grayscale and hasn't told danny and that is dangerous because he doesn't tell her things that aren't going to serve him I mean, and people were freaking out because he grabbed Danny's arm and helped her down. Oh, now, I'm and, and say Annie, I said the same thing. I was like, "Oh my God, and, don't touch her!" Yeah. Well, as Annie pointed out today while we were working, it's it's uh he it's on his left arm and it's under a bracer. Uh, and I the way we believe now we we've kind of sussed it out. The way we believe Grayscale is, is is transmitted from one host to another is that you have to actually touch 
the grayscale itself. So that's why we think that Danny's fine. She doesn't have it, and she didn't hand it to Missande when she grabbed her Yeah, hand. no, Although, the entirety of Marine does not have grayscale. No, they don't. But they did talk about it an awful lot this season. Okay, I, 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 I won't argue that, but, you know, but, uh, I don't believe that the entire – I mean, part of the problem with Marine for me is that there aren't enough people. One of the things about Danny's throne room in the books is that it's just filled with people who are flopped around everywhere who have come to see her and have nowhere else yes. to go. And one of the things that always strikes me when we go into a throne room is how empty it is. So there's this well, sense where there's only about ten real people in Marine and then a few hordes, you know? Well, even even in, even when Jorah walks out the front gates and there's no there's no armies encamped around Marine, nope. it's like, oh my god, this is so weird for me. There should be thousands of tents and... And, like, hundreds and hundreds of soldiers running by constantly in the front of the gate. It's the same problem with Dorne. Like, there needs to be so many more people, and there just aren't. There needs to be more places than the water gardens. Well, that's true. But... People, people, Dorne exists, and it doesn't, it doesn't just exist at the water gardens. There's Sunspear, and there's entire mountainous ranges and deserts, and, and, a, and a river. So An old town. Dorne is, an old town. Dorne, Dorne is so much bigger than what it's portrayed to be. But anyway, anyway, that's, let's not get so, hung up on that. Um, so, the big moment happened. Da- uh, Danny and her retinue are surrounded. The Unsullied may not be in lockstep, and they may not have done very well when they were in the bleachers, but they, they are fending off the uh, harpies who decided to only come up them one at a time. Like, this is some kind of 80s action movie, and they're only going to attack one at a time. That's fine with me. I don't care. I hated the Sons of the Harpy, and I wanted them all to die. Uh... So we have and the the actress shout out to all the actors of this entire episode you know not just not just the people in Marine but you got to give shouts out to uh Carrie um oh my god Shireen whoever it's Carrie Ingram right yes. uh Shireen who without even having to watch her burn sold that entire scene and we will be talking that about this for probably until next season but um Shout out to everybody. It was a great act. Everybody had great facial expressions. They sold it. Even Dorn was great. Anyway, get back to Marine. Um, when they were in that circle, the the look of desperation on Tyrion's face, uh, on and of course on Danny and Masande. And when Danny grabs Masande's hand, uh, Isis, did you get a little choked up? I don't know if I don't know how you are with that kind of stuff. But I was like watching it, and I like I went, oh my god, I, I just got a touch of the feels. Yes, I'm not gonna lie. I did. I I'm not gonna say I got the feels, but I did. Get, I did feel something deep down in my cold, <laughs> cold heart. Uh, I felt like I was like, oh man, it was like they were saying goodbye to each other, or like, friends. okay, yeah, this is gonna be the end. Yeah, best friends forever. And they were doing like their secret code, kind of like their chick code. And I was like, totally loving. I love the interaction between her. We don't. I feel like we don't get enough of of women, you know, being friends together or being being friendly Correct. together. Absolutely. And so I really, I really felt that was really a, an honest kind of thing. Like, hey, you know what? We just have each other. This is it. You know, if we're gonna go well, out. See, and that- we're going to go that out was kind together. Of a, that was kind of a callback to the books because in the books, they are so much more closer than they are on the show. And, she, of course, Masande's a younger girl. She's a little girl. She's much younger. And But Danny has her – Danny sleeps with her. She sleeps in the same room sometimes. Yeah, she, it's kind of – Masande is a little bit like her little sister. Yeah, like her little sister. And so that is 
what she did in the pits when she grabbed your hand is absolutely accurate of what Danny would have done in the books. If that were in the same situation and they were both in the middle of the pit. That wasn't the thing that gave me the feels, though. The thing that really got me and, like, just made me go, (gasps) is, okay, there is a music cue that keeps going off when Danny and Drogon are together. Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about. And whenever that, that, those violins and the strings kick in, I'm Mm -hmm. just like, oh. Yeah. Yes, I am exactly the same way. Isis and everybody out there, if you if you want to know what Annie's talking about, go on YouTube and look up, t- type in Drogon music, and you'll get uh, you'll get uh, an entire playlist of uh, the, the the composer for um, Game of Thrones. I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Dwadi or how, how how is it, Annie? I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay, it's it's weirdly pronounced, but he's amazing. He's a he's he's a genius, and he. They just got to releasing snippets of season five soundtrack, and of course, there's the Drogon music in the pit, and uh, we got to hear every time Drogon's on screen. There's a certain uh, play, a certain song that's played with him, and this is the same mu- music that was played in season three when he burned the masters of Astapor. So it's it's like he's always connected with this music, and I'm with Annie. I like I got chills, like I went down to my bones. But what got me was the screams, the dragon screams when he, the roar when he came up. Like when she closed her eyes, my wife instantly, as soon as Danny closed her eyes, I was thinking Danny's giving up. She's like she's she's resigning herself to be killed, and that's what Benioff and Weiss said in the uh, behind the scenes. But what Melissa, my wife, says, she goes, she's summoning Drogon, isn't she? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And my wife's not read the books, and so she's complete unsullied, and she's thinking, yeah, she's summoning Drogon. And as soon as she said that, you hear Drogon roar, and you hear it again, and everybody stops. That's when I got, like, the chills to the bone. I stood up, and I started jumping up and down, and I was, like, yelling. I was cheering the TV on, and, of course, I'm supposed to be live-tweeting this whole thing, so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to tweet, and I'm trying to jump up and down. Like, I was getting crazy. Like, really, people should, should record me watching Game of Thrones because I, I probably would – entertain you guys for hours and hours about how I act. I act a fool. Anyway, so that was exciting. He comes in, and he not what's different, what the departure from the books is, he doesn't come down like a mindless beast and just start blowing people up. He comes in, lands in front of Danny, and then you have that moment of connection between Danny and Drogon. Yeah, he roared at her, but it wasn't basically roaring at her. He's basically like, hi, Mom, I'm here. Shit's about to get real. And he, like... He did, did his fair share of killing. He stepped on one son of the harpy. He ate another one. That was awesome. <laughs> and he set most then, of the other ones on fire, which, you know, in a way, it was very much of a piece with uh, Stannis setting Shireen on mm. fire. Here he is setting these other people on fire. In that scene, Stannis loses his child. In this scene, Danny regains hers. Yes, exactly. That's a That's a great analogy. And... So he sets all these – and, like, the whole time he's breathing fire, I'm just, like, screaming. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, go. And then people are, like, throwing spears in him, and my wife starts getting – she starts getting upset. She's like, no, they're not going to kill Trogon. I'm like, baby, those spears don't hurt him. He's They're just annoying him. It's annoying him. She's like, okay, okay. And then when Danny just walks out there, I was like, here we go. And I almost thought, Annie, I almost thought we were going to get the O moment. I thought that she was going to reach up to to Trogon. And somebody was going to stick him with a spear, and he was going to breathe fire on her. Of course, you and I know what happens from the books. She does get breathed on. He breathes fire on Danny, and it catches her hair on fire and her clothes, but she doesn't catch on fire. Which, you know, the fact of the matter is that that's the same as the as when she burns with the uh, with the funeral pyre with uh, Drogo back in season one. 
right. you know, when the when the eggs hatch, her hair is actually supposed to burn away, and she's supposed to be basically naked as the day she was born with no hair left or anything. And right. they made basically the show chose not to do that; they chose to leave the wig on. Um, so I assume that if she ever gets burned by the dragons again, her wigs will survive. Um, I'm sure her wig is just very <laughs> thankful. Um, what is it's it's Valerian hair, so. <laughs> It's that girl. She got that weave. You can't be. You can't be burning up that weave. I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But I, I. Oh my God! You went there. Okay. So I thought that um, he was gonna breathe on her, and we were gonna have the Quentin Martell O moment where he goes O, oh, and then he's burned by the other dragons. I thought they were gonna work that in there, and that'd have been a cool little book nod. But they didn't, I actually, and that's fine. If we I'm, see something like that, it will be in the next episode where with Jorah. With Jorah. <laughs> Or whoever it is who decides to go and release the other two dragons. Because the other two dragons really just need to be allowed out now. Yeah, they've got to be let out by somebody. And I feel like we're going to see uh, either she's going to come back to Meereen. I don't think we'll see that. But it's either, either no, she'll I come don't back think to Meereen. I don't think we'll see her come back to Meereen this season. I don't think so either. But if, even if she does, she's going to come to let them out. Or somebody else is going to let them out and they're going to fly to her. They're not. We're not going to have them nesting in the pyramids this season because – this season's all about getting her out of Meereen and over to Westeros. But anyway, so well, I was excited for the, for the end of this episode because it got me so hyped. And then she flew away on the dragon. Isis, what were you going to say? I was going to say, after she flew off with the dragon and everything, I'm like thinking about, like, she left all her, she left her BFF, her boyfriend, <laughs> and she, her, you know, her right-hand man and, and Sir Friendzone down there basically to fend for themselves. So I was like, I was like, is she going to pick them up? I mean, is she going to swoop back down? <laughs> And well, like, most, of the, oh, most of the harpies are basically dead at this point. Are yeah. on fire, and the yeah. rest of them are basically going to leave these guys alone once she's gone. At but least still, I hope that's Tyrion, what her thought process was. But Drogon came, Drogon came in, and he evened the numbers. Now it's even, or it's actually in the Unsullied and Danny's army favor. No, but if I were Tyrion, I'd be a little cranky too. Yeah, I would be like, bitch. Yeah, what? what? <laughs> Did you, Did you just really, really just leave me? I mean, like I'm the I am the small person here. Like the per I I don't <laughs> I would have fit. Much. I would have fit up there. I know, right? Like like what are the weight ride? requirements? Like what are the weight requirements on a dragon? Like I mean, I think both of us can do this. And so well, everybody knows he's gonna get his own dragon anyway because he's a secret Targaryen, duh. Oh well, there you go. But I'm um, I'm but I'm you kidding. know, and then her BFF too. Like if any, if I was gonna take anybody, I'm gonna take my home girl. And so like when she left her homegirl down there to fend for herself because she can't really i mean she's not a fighter all those other men are fighters they can fight for themselves or at least have a better chance of getting away so i thought at the very least that she, like she was going to go ahead and come back and swoop back down and pick up her homegirl <laughs> and when she didn't do that i was like oh no and then they showed she the... doesn't exactly have a bridle on drogan so it's not exactly like she can steer <laughs> i know but... I, here's what here's the way i saw it isis i saw it as this in the moment, she saw her ba- her child being thrown spears at, and he was very agitated and angry, and he was not going to leave that pit with her there. He any other any other animal, if he's being thrown, spears are being thrown at him, he's going to take off and run. He's going to be chased away. But Drogon proves that he was there for Danny because he kept attacking the sons of the harpy and not Danny or her friends, and so she saw that he would stay there and die for her. He would have stayed there, and he would have let them fill him up with arrows and spears while, as long as Danny was there. And Benioff and Weiss even said in the after show that 
they that she has that connection with him, and he's she's always had a special connection to Drogon in particular, and so she she said she you know you can kind of see it like she's like she's almost saying to herself, I have to get on him and fly him away, or he's gonna stay here and die. So I think she got caught up in the moment. She walks up to him, she climbs on, and I you know honestly I don't think she was thinking that her friends were in trouble because Drogon had killed just about everybody in the pit except for her friends. And the few spear throwers that were still there, so uh, they could have been easily taken out, like like Dario did by throwing a knife into one of them mm-hmm. before he threw a spear. So I think that I don't think it was a selfish act. I've seen a lot of people say that it was, but I, you know, funny. I think people have made some funny jokes about it. But uh, another thing Benioff said was um, in the first or what in, in the first time uh, that in the first episode after uh, Jorah and Tyrion are walking together through through wherever mm-hmm. before they get captured by the cock merchant pirates. Um, Jorah says to Tyrion, it's hard to be a cynic when you watch a woman come out of the fires of three baby dragons. Have you ever heard dragons sing? It's hard to be a cynic after that. And the look on Tyrion's face was, Tyrion, the perpetual cynic of the entire episode series, is no longer a cynic after watching uh, this girl fly off on a dragon. Oh yeah, you can after that. I mean, I'm, that that'll make you a believer. I mean, it it really it really is. I, I another interaction that I loved, and I, and I'm kind of backtracking here was between because you mentioned Tyrion uh, was between Tyrion and uh, Danny's husband. Um, the way oh, yeah. he was like when he made that comment about like you know oh you that entire been, exchange was fabulous. It, it really yes. was. I mean, not as good as Danny and him. But it was it was very very good. But about I like that she's threatening. I still can. Yes, <laughs> I feel like in a way that their exchange was kind of a whole defense of the series: the larger man versus the smaller man, and whether or not you know wh- what has ever been done that wasn't done with violence, you know, yeah. or you know, just because violence is the way we've always done it doesn't make it right. Just because it benefited you, you think it's right, but that's not really the best way. Like I felt like there were a lot of arguments in that scene that kind of embody a lot of the philosophies of Game of Thrones. Absolutely. And Benioff and Weiss have been known to do that. They've been known to put some put some of their own beliefs into their own episodes. And that, so. But that exchange was immensely gratifying for me, just to yeah. kind of see like them both. It, it, it seemed like Danny and Tyrion basically agreeing with each other, being on the same page, mm-hmm. you know, of maybe not exactly of how they want to do it do it but they have the they're on the exact same page which is really really good and you can kind of see danny like looking at Tyrion, like yeah okay i'm with you I made the right choice. like i made the right choice i'm still with you i can still kill you if i want to but I, you're you know you have lived too to- bad i didn't make the right choice of husband <laughs> this is true um but i love the fact that Tyrion made the comment about his dad and said, "Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah." You that know. is so not a compliment coming from Tyrion. Exactly, and it was just like the guys, like all like, "Yeah, all right," and then <laughs> like, "No, no, he killed his own daddy." Not how that works? Yeah, he basically just called you a dickhead. That's what he called you an asshole. Yeah. He didn't call you anything nice. I promise. So it was just, it was really. Well, anytime you have Dinklage on screen, if you don't have him talk, you're, you're wasting his, you're wasting your money. Mm. <laughs> just to be honest with you, I would agree with you on that, man. But no, that whole scene was really uh, gratifying for me because, it, it, like you said, it really brought. You know, if you're not really paying attention and you're just there for the TNA and for the fighting, uh, this really told you the theme of what Game of Thrones is, and and I really appreciated that. But overall, like I said, it was really great episode it if it wasn't if it didn't come after 
last week's. Shut if it did. Well, honestly, I think this episode would have been – people would have enjoyed – and I highly suggest everybody go back and watch the episode again. I've watched it. I'm going to watch it again tonight. That will be my third time I watch it because uh, – and I'm going to fast forward to the Shireen part because I don't want to see that again. But I want – I, the second time I watched it, I was able to enjoy the Daznax pitch much more because I already knew what was going to happen to Shireen. I wasn't shocked anymore. I wasn't like uh, just like completely really? numb for a few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't reeling. So I highly suggest going back and watching the episode again because it really kind of puts home that this was a top-notch, one of the top, probably top ten of the series uh, episodes just simply for the fact that we finally got Danny riding a dragon. We did it. We finally got – from from the end of season one where they were hatched till now, she's finally riding her dragons. And now we have two seasons left of whatever's going to come next. We don't know because book readers don't have a book to go off of anymore. We're unsullied now. Uh, so uh, real quick, Annie, uh, your thoughts going forward and maybe maybe what a little a little tinfoil hat theory oh, coming from you. Tinfoil hat theory? My 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 theories going forward. Well, I did a I did a long post on the on four different endings we could see because the fact of the matter is is that Benioff and Weiss said at the very beginning of the season that the first scene and the last scene of this season are from the books. Um, so I went through the books and I went through the ending chapters and I decided that it could be one of four scenes, one of which could be Danny, uh, basically, uh, out in the wild with Drogon running into strangers. I don't know how much I'm allowed to spoil here. Yeah, don't, don't try not to be spoiler, but it does put that in the synopsis. Okay, she's, like she does she's run into yeah. and and it's and it's the kind of strangers that take her back to a point in her life when she remembered who she was. Yes. And that's an extremely important thing because a lot of her time in Marine has been spent locking away who she is or trying to forget who she is or trying to modulate who she is in order to fit in. If I look back, I am lost. Uh with uh it could be the end of the it could be the last Jon Snow chapter, um, yes. which, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen there. Um, I'm not going to say all that much, but there are basically two ways that could go. Um, and one is badly and the other is amazing. Um, <laughs> and when I say well, amazing, I, I mean like red god it. kind of like mystic. You will believe kind of amazing. Yes. Um, you you know which would be in line a lot with what we saw in both episode eight and in this episode, which has been a lot of you will believe once you see this. Yes. Um, and for the record, um, this is actually the second season in a row where season eight has trumped season had, or sorry episode eight has trumped episode nine. Have you realized? Because yeah. last season, episode eight was the Mountain and the Viper, and the battle for Castle Black was large and impressive, but it didn't it didn't come to that same intensity level as watching the Red Viper die. And, and the battle for the, the battle for Castle Black, while amazing and one of my favorite episodes of the series, it was not the Mountain and the Viper. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and in the same way, this one, though Danny getting on the back of a dragon and riding was you know amazing. It just didn't quite have the same oomph as watching the Night's King. Um, yes. So sorry, that was my uh, that was my my, my digression. Um, what were my three and four? Um, four is a. Uh, am I allowed to say the words, Lady Stoneheart? 
Yeah, we've said her name before. Okay, so. um, that, that's so. my that's the big tinfoil hat theory is that uh, Mother's Mercy will basically be based on the idea of uh, um, Lady Stoneheart coming back. Um, though, t- to tell the truth, um, my thought, though I think Jon Snow would be the most logical thing to end on, um, the other logical place to do it is to actually end on the epilogue which is uh, when Kevin is in charge of King's Landing and the snow yes. comes and the White Raven. Um, so that would be a very finale finale if they ended there. It'd be, it, would be, it would be very finale-ish. Yeah. It'd be, it's, a, it's a great finale. Whereas if they ended with Jon Snow's chapter, it would be very cliffhanger-y. It would, that would break the internet. See, and, and the actor who plays Pod said that there was, it was going to break the internet, although... But if it, Pod is the one telling you this, then... Is he in the scene? Because the only scene where Pod could possibly be in the final scene would be if Lady Stoneheart. Lady Stoneheart. Yes. (laughs) I still have hope. (laughs) I don't. I actually truly believe that if the producers and the directors and the actors involved all say to you at once, no, really, this isn't happening. You should probably believe it's not happening. I know, I know. I'm, I'm still a truther. I can't help myself. I'm still a truther. Uh, Isis, uh, give me your thoughts going forward and a little bit, a little bit of tinfoily action. Uh, I have no idea about Lady Stoneheart, so I have no idea. I mean, I've heard you guys talk about it before, and but I don't. I have no uh, reference to that. I think um, what was my tinfoil hat that I said earlier? Um, it have to do with John. You've t- you said a lot about John. Know. You've been very you've been very fixated on John this season. It's because of his the curly entire lot. show has been fixated on John this season. Well, but Kit Harrington has stepped his game up because of that. And I mean, he's, he's also really... the one carrying the hero's journey at this point. Um, you is. know, Ned started the hero's journey. Rob continued the hero's journey. It is now passed to John. Well, so so Isis, what do you think? Uh, I think I think that it's going to be an amazing finale. Uh, I really hope uh, I can be okay with being done with Dorn. Uh, I know that we talked last week about uh, maybe something happening with um, what's her name uh, in King's Land's Landing, Cersei, Cersei uh, about somebody maybe you know coming to save her or maybe something happening to her. So anything bad that happens to her, I'm all for. So if that (laughs) happens next episode, I'm game. If they, that is the one place this season where they have really stuck to the books, I have to say. And so I very much expect that next week's extremely bad thing that will happen to Cersei is actually going to be very much in line with the extremely bad thing that happens to Cersei in the novels. Well, Annie and I both know what's going to happen because we work for Winter's Coming and we've seen the photos. Okay. So we know that's happening. <laughs> well, but I, we're not going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil it for you. I don't know anything, but I hope we know. More we bad know what's going to happen. Like I hope, like Mother Teresa or whoever that lady is who's banging her head, you know, Septa Unella. Yeah, like keeps on banging her with the with the spoon because that's really awesome and makes her keep <laughs> on like slurping water off the ground. And so anyway. I'm all game for that. So I hope we can see a little bit more than that. And I hope we get to see Littlefinger kind of like Warg 
or like you know come up so, somewhere else like wh- how he transports himself warp. You want to oh, warp oh, oh, okay, yeah not warp, but transport okay warp. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah like no he, like, like I warp. pictured like him, him inside a raven and i was very no, i did too no, no, I no, totally like did. warp like like start like star wars right. i mean starship yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I'm hoping that happens, and so then he ends up somewhere, and um, I'm really, really hoping be- I want to see some Brienne and Pod interaction. Um, I really hope that we can maybe see uh, Reek kind of redeem himself and become himself again. Yeah. That would be really, really nice. I mean, I don't care if he dies, but the fact that if he dies in service of trying to right some of his wrongs, I'm totally game for. So him, you know, maybe chopping off Ramsey's penis and stuffing it in his mouth would be okay with me. Well, then! Did I say that out loud? Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. I sometimes okay, babble well. and, and anyway. So, no, I'm, I, ha- I really, really have no idea what's going to happen. I'm really excited about this season finale, where it's kind of going. I'm really glad that we are moving on um, from Maureen because that was super, super boring. Um, and, you know, I, if they do their cards right, this is going to make a really good episode, a finale episode, which I don't think I have, have ever disliked any of their finales. I really ha- I can't say that. Um, I, I can't say that I've disliked finales from Game of Thrones. I can say that I've been let down to a point. Uh, but that's because you're but, a book reader, and I'm not. I was not a big fan of last season's finale, even though we had the, the oh, Brienne Hound fight. You didn't like uh, Arya on the boat going to Bravos. You didn't like that. That was kind of that was very anticlimactic. I wanted I wanted Lenny Stoneheart to appear. Oh, that's okay. I, but that's the thing I was, is that you I was I was something. sure I was convinced she was going to show but up. But that's the, end the of thing last is season. that you were waiting for something to happen, which I had no expectation of. So as a, yeah, no, that's that's what's cool. Listening to you talk about these things and watching my wife watch this show. Is she's never she don't she doesn't read the books and I don't spoil things for her unless she asks for me. Unsullied are the and most so, amazing people sometimes. Oh, oh, they really there are. There is one guy I used to work with who was an unsullied, and he hated Rob Stark. Hated <laughs> him. And wow. I remember the Monday after the Red Wedding, everyone on my Facebook feed, everyone in my Twitter, everyone on Reddit is like in mourning, like wearing black to work, and he shows up and he's like, Rob's dead, Rob's dead. And I was like, <laughs> Wow. Unsullied wow. are some weird people, man. I don't know anybody that hated Rob. <laughs> oh, my God. I, that's weird. I didn't I didn't dislike Rob. I liked Rob, but that's that's weird. But Okay, well, listen. Here's, so you guys have given me your thoughts going forward. Let me give you a little bit of a uh, – let me see what I've, I've got. Um, I think we're going to get uh, definite big happenings at the wall, definite big happenings in King's Landing, and definite big happenings in Winterfell. I don't know anywhere else. I know that I want things to happen in Meereen and Danny. I want her to fly back and pick up her friends, and they all fly home together. That's not going to happen, but I want I want some finality to that story. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Danny uh, flying above a bunch of ships going across a narrow sea. That won't happen either, but I still wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, but probably won't get that. We probably won't get Dorne, which I'm fine with, although I've laid out my plans for that. Um, I think, honestly, if I get... The wall scene from Dance with Dragons, I don't care how it's interpreted. I just want to get it because I want to see how they do that. And then I want to see how they do Cersei's moment in King's Landing. If they do that, I'll be happy. And then like you, Annie, I I actually believe we will get 
a version of the White Raven and the snow coming through the window and Kevin Lannister and Grand Maester Pycelle and a certain person. And I think actually I'm throwing a fourth person. I'm going to say that um, Littlefinger will be involved in this. I think he'll no, be there. But no, that's, that's just my absolutely thoughts. Absolutely not. If the, <laughs> if the person who is in the books is is involved, that's the anti-Littlefinger. No, Littlefinger would never – no. That's absolutely right. My theory is my theory is this: that one one will kill the other. Therefore, there will be no more no more battle. Well, if one will kill the other, then that's going to wait until at least another season to get to. <laughs> We've got at least ten more episodes till we get to that, if not twenty. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be it for our show tonight, guys. Uh, I want to thank Annie for joining us tonight, and Annie, thank we, you for we want me. you we want you to come back for the uh, our our last our finale. Yay, on we want you and Dan to come back. We want to have a big round table, and uh, so we hope you join us then. So it, next Monday, we hope you come back next Monday. I and uh, awesome. And so, guys, thanks for listening. For my co-host Isis, where you can find her at at i j a m e l t o n, or you can find me on Tumblr superhero dash almighty Isis. Also, I would like to give a shout out to Michael at m i c. P-A-T-S-U-L on Twitter. He's a big fan of the podcast, and he always tweets us his questions. And please feel free to tweet us questions or comments or, you know, participate in our live tweet. We really, really enjoy that. I have a great time when we do it. So uh, thanks to Michael for being an awesome fan of the show. Awesome. And uh, you can find – I was remiss in saying you can find Annie on social media and her other website, uh, pretty much just Annie Bundle, right, yep. Annie? A-N-I-B-U-N-D-E-L, Annie Bundle. There you go. You can find her at, at everything. That's where she's under everything. So, And you can find me on Twitter at house underscore razor. This has been uh, Tate the Black, and we've only got one more show to, guy, to go, guys, and I hope that uh, it's going to be a good one. So we will see you next week, and thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.